if you release that tension, it will release those traumatic, sometimes forgotten memories that the body stores in the source. If you are afraid or if you live in a way that is not authentic and this exerts pressure on your body and it shortens the psoas, then it keeps a score and this score is mirrored by the state of the soul. You can look at someone and see that this person lives somehow detached from their authentic self. Welcome back to The Plug. This is Mars, aka The Conscious Counselor, here with Joe Peter, your hosts in this journey through your mind and body. And in this episode, we turn the spotlight on one muscle that hides in the depths of our core and holds the key to releasing stored emotions and unprocessed trauma. I'm talking about the psoas muscle, often referred to as the muscle of the soul. You know, I find it interesting that a muscle that can go so unnoticed can play so many roles in our bodies. Well, it does play a lot of um, roles. Some that are more known than others. Some are more talked than others. But uh, if you, when you, when you work with the body, you start to to know how to read it, and you and you can see it uh, trained. Osteopath should be able to to just by looking to a person to know if um, the person's psoas muscle is tensed or not. That's very interesting. You know, I once heard from a guy who is also an osteopath that when you are going to have a session with a client, the session starts the moment you see the client because you see the way the client walks, you see the posture. You see many things in the body language that can tell about the muscles and the, all these patterns of expansion and contraction. And it's very interesting. Uh, a trained eye can capture so much information in just a glimpse. Yeah, that, that really happens. There's a, there's a saying in uh, physics or quantum physics, I don't remember which, it was in one of the classes that I had, that um, the observer changes the outcome of the experience. Uh-huh. Just the fact that there's a observer, the, the outcome of, of the event changes. And I'm saying this because when you when you when your client, when you're uh, when when the person is um, it's going through observation, the person usually tends to Strength, strengthen her back, be more straight. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so the, the person changes because the person knows that she's being observed. Okay. But if you don't tell her that you are immediately observing and when you walk in the front so you can turn around and see how the person walks in, in direction towards you when you welcome the person to the door of where you where you have the massage table. So it's um, all of all of that information is very important mm -hmm. because once you you tell the person to okay so uh, I'm going to ask you to stand and um, I'm going to look at you. The yeah. person immediately changes <laughs> her posture, her or his or whatever uh, posture. Yeah. 
You know, Gabor Mate has a really, really interesting passage in one of his chapters in the book, When the Body Says No. And it was when he went to visit his mother, when she was already in a bed, like um, very close to her death. And so he had the surgery to his knee on that day. He was limping. But the moment he went through the door, he started to walk straight, you know, very, very correctly. Like, then he analyzed this. Why would he want to fake that he was okay? And it was not to worry his, mo his mother because she was already very, very ill. And we have so many motivations behind these kinds of attitudes. We want to conceal what we are going through, either to please someone or to impress someone or to relieve someone from their pain. And why, you know, it's so unnecessary most of the times to, you are going to a therapist in this particular example that you are talking about. You are going to your therapist. So why faking you have a good posture when he's the guy who's going to see how bad your posture is in order to correct it, to give you more quality of life? You know, this, this blows my mind. Yeah, it's not, it's not uh, faking, it's paying more attention to themselves and being more conscious about uh, their own posture. And being more conscious about their posture makes them uh, get in a, the posture that they wish they have. I think this is uh, the so you more think correct way of seeing. Because I, I don't think they, they do it on purpose. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you, if you think it's 100% just bringing awareness to the body and not at all defense mechanisms trying to conceal their, their patterns. Because you, you mentioned it's the way they would like to be. So they realize they are not the way of their ideal self and posture, so they immediately change it. Yeah, yeah. Th that, that happens a lot, actually. It's when, when we first sit on a desk working, we have a, a certain posture. But then as we get tired, we start to melt into the chair. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> so so we, we get tired, we, st we stop thinking about our posture, we start thinking about the computer we have in front of us and the work that we have to do. And then we forget about our posture and the posture melts. We melt into the chair. Yeah. This mechanical part is very interesting also. So even though I want to talk about emotional patterns and psychological patterns that lead to the contraction and compression of the psoas muscle, there's other pathways to, to lead to there, which can then have influences on the emotional and psychological aspects. So these mechanical stimulus that is sitting in front of a computer or being tired can exert a certain force on the psoas, not just the psoas, all the posture is collapsing, is slumping forward. And it can, if it's held for a long period of time or, or if it's recurrent, it will contribute to the shortening of these muscles, right? Yes. Okay, yes. so if these muscles are under this tension and under this, in a way, compression and they get shortened, then they will influence our ability to expand in other circumstances. And this can trigger anxiety responses or inability to fully express ourselves can, can increase 
moments of guilt or of shame or of sadness because it's like our ability to respond with expansion is compromised. And this is like a two-way um, uh, dynamic. It's bidirectional. And both a mechanical stimulus and an emotional factor can lead to the same outcome and influence one another. Yes, yes. So um, just to make a, um, uh, a subtle change on what you said, it's not the muscle that gets, gets shortened. That's the job of the fascia. The fascia optimizes the use of, of your body. Mm-hmm. optimizes the use that you give your body. So if you, if you stand in the same position for long periods of time, the fascia, it, it, it has this intelligence, so it thinks, okay, this is what this body was made for, so we are going to optimize it, so it shortens, and it doesn't allow the muscle to get its full length. I'm really glad you're saying but, this. But it has plasticity, so you can change it. You can change it if you change your behavior and your lifestyle. So if you start doing exercises, if you start stretching, it will undo that, but because it has plasticity, you cannot just do it once and expect it to last forever. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, a great addition to what I was mentioning because usually I forget, even though I love the fascia and all its dynamics, and we talk a lot about it in, in our episodes, I tend to forget these uh, nuances sometimes that it's the fascia. When we, when we speak about muscle memory, are we actually talking about fascia memory or both happen? I think that both happen because um, my understanding is more about the um, the the posture the, the 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 posture memory it's fascia the muscle memory when we have um, a a pattern of movement mm-hmm. That I think is the muscle, but okay. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about that. But it, I think it's the muscle. When when it requires a movement, it's a muscle or maybe muscle and the fascia together. But when it's um, a, a static, like your posture, it's a fascia. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is how you help people changing these patterns. You help them with exercises, with straightening the fascia and correcting the patterns. And sometimes in these processes, you see emotional release. Isn't that yes. so? Yeah, yeah. So when uh, when I'm uh, treating someone, there's a... First time I need to understand what is uh, happening. If, if, if the person has a certain limitation, And I usually prescribe some stretchings or some uh, exercises. Mm-hmm. Stretchings to release the muscle and to stretch the fascia. And uh, exercises to strengthen the muscle. Because um, if, if we have an agonist and an antagonist, and they are just, both are pulling 
all the time. In different directions. In different directions. And uh, if one muscle is stronger, it will um, pull the other one. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you have uh, your bicep very strong compared to your tricep, you will not be able to extend your arm completely. You will always have your arm half bent. That's interesting. Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. I knew it happens to the core muscles. If some person works a lot the abs, yeah. the lower back might be in danger of some yes. injury because it's yeah. being pulled and not strengthened. Yeah, it happens in all sorts of uh, muscles, like uh, the the pectorials muscles, they they pull your shoulders inward and then your rhomboids pull them backwards. So if you have your pectorials muscle stronger than the rhomboids, you will always have your shoulders uh, rotated to the inwards, to the front. That's interesting. So if someone is dealing with a lot of guilt, shame, sadness, burdens, stress, they might exhibit this pattern. So one way to intervene might also be prescribing exercises to strengthen the rhomboids. Yeah, yeah. I love this. When, 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 the, when the rhomboid is strong, it will make your back straighter and it's like you are facing the world. It makes you face the world because uh -huh. your back is straight. You need to curl your back, but you have to do it in a conscious way. If, if you are on, um, in your default mode with your back is, is very strong, you are like uh, facing the world. It, you, you appear more confident and, uh, and everything and uh, you will be perceived as more confident. And in your brain, the same and circuits. In your brain as well, yes. Yeah, yeah. The same circuits that process this posture also process confidence. And yes. we discussed this in our episode in Portuguese about posture. The Superman posture or the Superman pose, it's one of these names. If you stay on it for two minutes, then you become more confident because these areas of the brain tend to fire together. So they wire together, like straight posture, confidence. So one way of activating confidence in yourself is activating those muscle patterns. And it's interesting that you not just prescribe stretching, you also prescribe strengthening of some muscle groups. Yes, sometimes when we do um, a massage, for example, we may alleviate the symptom, but then the origin, that's homework of the, of the person. Exactly. That's a, that's a, there's a, and usually it's, it's much more time that the person needs to put into it. That's what I, because yeah, you can, you cannot strengthen a rhomboid muscle doing an exercise once. Exactly. This is what I tell my clients. I spend one hour with you every week. You spend all the remaining hours with yourself. So the work we do in one hour needs to be maintained and you keep activating these, these patterns all the way you spend on your own, like investing in yourself. This needs to be continuously carried on until the pattern is 
broken until you start another cycle, until it's like new memory, new fascia memory, new brain memory, new muscle memory. And this is why I tend to resist to those one-time emotional releases or muscle releases that people see as life changing, even though it brings a lot of insight and relaxation and all the bliss that you feel afterwards, if this work is not maintained, then I believe you'll, you'll have to do it again. You will accumulate tension over a certain period if you don't correct this on your daily life. Yeah. If you don't strengthen the rhomboids, if you don't stretch the frontal part of your body, you'll keep accumulating more tension and activating guilt and shame and sadness patterns. And you will need to have passive interventions from a therapist again, as opposite to if you keep engaging with yourself and making this part of your routine, not just workout routine, but kind of your physical and emotional hygiene, then you won't need to see your therapist as often. Maybe you can even become independent of your therapist, which is the ultimate goal of therapies when the client doesn't need to see the therapist any longer because they integrate, and this is what I truly call integration. When they integrate what they need to do, it's like eating and drinking water. You, you understand that you need a certain amount of nutrients and water. So you, for your type of body, for your personal history and your background, you need a certain amount of this exercise and this stretching and this habit or this exercise. And this is the beauty of our work. I, I truly believe that results can be achieved in, in these kind of interventions. Yeah, integration is the word. And our job is very important because we start the process, we start the release. And uh, most of the times, this release would not be possible if the person was working alone on himself. What we are doing is to start and to point the direction of the healing. Yeah, we are igniters. Yeah, but then the person needs to walk the walk. Yeah. The the path is the person's path. Exactly. And uh, we are just uh, like uh, enhancing or a, a, a catalyzer. Yeah. I, that's why I don't like to romanticize the releases the catharsis, even though it's important and I want to talk about it as well, I don't see it as the solution. I see it as, you know, some manifestation during the process. And I'm, I brought this up because I'm particularly interested in your experience with emotional releases doing work on the psoas. What do you see? Do you see like a pattern? Um different insights and I've been uh, thinking uh, a lot about it and um, usually people are blocked and they are very tense and they feel a lot of pain mm -hmm. and sometimes they hold on to the pain it's uh, it's like um, it's uh, they it's it's something that they are hiding there's something hiding under a rug and uh, they don't want me to go there and uh, and release it. Okay. A lot of people is like that. A lot of people, they are more like they are readier. 
they are ready to to start the um, the journey and they allow and they release and then they cry or they they have another type of emotional release mm-hmm. and um, it's it's uh, all usually there's a um, there's a posture change immediate posture change after the release uh, yes during and after after the release cuz So first first of all let me say something that uh, no muscle works alone. Mm-hmm, exactly. No muscle no muscle works alone and we we need to remind this because we are talking about the psoas muscle but there are other muscles that help the what the the psoas does and there are others that oppose what the psoas does so usually there's a there's a tilt of the hip okay when when the psoas is uh, is tense there's a tilt on the hip and the tilt the tilt on the hip happens not just because the psoas is uh, tense but also the um, the leg usually is tense the upper leg like in the front yeah 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 in the front okay. exactly in the front it's it's tense and because uh, it connects to the to the hip and then if it's tense it will tilt the hip a little bit towards and that towards the chest or towards the knees that tilts towards the knees okay, the, okay. it's like the quadricep muscle the quadriceps it, it's it's four muscles two of two of them will pull to the to the 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 hip so the lower and back it, gets compressed exactly okay. the lower back the lower back gets compressed uh you get you become like with a hyper lordosis of the lum, of the lumbar spine and at the same time your chest is pulled towards the front can be can be okay and okay um why do i say can be it's because um when when you look at a body the body is always balanced mm-hmm. always balanced and compensating and yeah and and that was what i was going to say it's balanced because it's compensating it's not because it's uh, perfect without any problem yeah. it's because it's compensating and when you look at a body in a osteopathic lens or or a, a manual therapy way of thinking you need to look at it as left right up down front back mm-hmm. okay yeah. because if there's a tension on the right you need to to have somewhere attention on the left to compensate exactly there's a agonist there's a antagonist and you can um, do a movement uh, in one direction re- like releasing for example when you are working out you have uh, i don't know the terms for that but <clears throat> you can you can do a movement and then you can lower the weight very slowly Yeah. And you are working 
other muscles doing mm-hmm. that, for example. And um, when you are working, um, usually you train um, like a muscle chain and not a muscle, one muscle. Mm-hmm. It's it's very hard to isolate one muscle and yeah. only work on that muscle. True. Yes. So, for example, if you if you do uh, asymmetric exercises on your arm, for example, you are working on your core. Yeah. Because to stabilize. Uh, yes, to stabilize. So there's there's always this um, this you need to to look at at all of this. When you are working on your arm, you have one moving up and the other one allowing it to move yeah. up. Yeah. But then you when you you step back, okay, but then the core is also working. Then okay, and you step back, okay, but then maybe the legs are also working. Exactly. Yes. So it's um there's different layers of this. And you need to to understand that. I forgot what led to this. <laughs> I, I I didn't, and I want to say something <laughs> before we go back to it because as you yeah. speak, I get insights that are so valuable to share. You are building up to talk about the emotional releases associated with the the somatic releases, and as you were talking about back pain and balance of the body, like to distribute the tension from front to back, from left to right and up to down, you know, the therapeutic settings are still very polarized. We are increasing our awareness and between the disciplines, we are having better communication, but still you have a lot of people complaining from back pain that are only receiving manual treatments or medical treatments. Sometimes they only receive painkillers, which is very incomplete. Even if the pill is needed, it must be given, but it's incomplete. So most people with back pain are not receiving any emotional support. And a lot of people who are very aware about psychological and emotional balance don't really understand that this draws on body balance. The same brain circuits and the nervous system pathways that lead the neurons in the brain to the nerve terminals on the fascia, they need to be connected. We need to integrate all that. So if you are looking to become a more balanced person emotionally, your body, your muscles and your posture also need to be balanced. And as you were talking, I was putting these pieces together once again, and this all has beauty, not just to the process, but to the work we do. And now we can go back to the build-up that you were doing to the emotional release, unless you want to share some thoughts about this uh, insights that I was sharing. No, no, it's it's good that you that you said that about the dis- different disciplines, because you will understand better what I'm going to say. Okay, perfect. It's... Uh, So first of all, the example of having a compressed lower back, that can happen a lot. Like mm. you can have like a sciatic pain and the sciatic pain is caused by the sores or by the legs being very tense. Uh-huh. And most 
if if you only treat the lower back, you all you are not solving the problem. You exactly. are relaxing the person a little bit, but then the problem is still there because you need to work the front, you need to work the legs, and you need to work the psoas muscle to mm -hmm. release that tilt that it's the default of that person. Okay. Yeah. So that that is. Um, the example that we we spoke about now about the emotions there are two different emotion origins caused by the psoas muscle the one is it's um, that is the one that you are expecting it's caused by the fascia Okay. The fascia, the emotional, the emotional release, the connection between the muscle body and the nervous system, the the body keeping the score in the fascia. Mm -hmm. If you release that tension, it will release those traumatic, sometimes forgotten um, memories that the body stored Beautiful. in the in in the in the in the sores. But then there's other thing is the psoas muscle. Um, it's it's located <coughs> in a in a in an area of the body that can compress the um, the organs, like it right. can compress it can it can compress the kidney, can compress the bladder, can compress the veins and the arteries that uh, go to the legs can can compress the nerves that go to the um, sexual organs for example very interesting and, and can compress the intestines okay i was going to ask you that i was leaving the intestines to the to to the end because as we know that m most of our neuro transmit neurochemistry is created by our bacteria living in our gut yeah exactly if you if you compress it you can create a disturbance on the on on your bacteria living on the gut mm -hmm. and that will change your emotions yeah if the if the gut if the bowel can't move it will lead to more fermentation of the food in there or the, the remainings of the food. And it will yeah. lead to different types of bacteria thriving. And so yes. if up to 90% of our serotonin is produced in the gut, this can be impaired or somehow changed. And then the brain cannot rely on the same levels of these little chemicals to function. So does this have a connection to the emotional part as well? The emotional release? Yeah, 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 it does, it does. It's, um, it's um, there's two different emotions, the emotion origins. One is the, the fascia uh -huh. that you release like immediate, right, right away. The changes on the gut bacteria it will take some uh, a little more time for you to notice. Okay, okay. So it's not like the immediate release. You'll have that emotional well-being afterwards, progressively, yes. as you leave the yes. therapy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Amazing. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. And one thing, for example, that that I that I said about the the nerves, the the sores, it will it it if it's very tense, it can compromise the nerves that go to the sexual organs, mm-hmm. and it can um, create, for example, m- muscle cramps on uh, women. When, when they have when they are menstruating and they have a lot of pain wow. it can be caused by um, contracted sores wow okay yeah that's a that revelation be, for me yeah that can be one cause of it wow and another thing it, it can it can influence your um, libido libido for both men and women because of also that um, that that compromising of the nerve that goes to the sexual organs. Yeah. Yeah, because if you compress the nerve that is going to the organ or the tissues, maybe the hormonal production will be conditioned, will be limited. Yeah, that's a very interesting point of view. Yes. And also I liked how you said it's one cause for the the cramps in women menstruating. You didn't say it's the cause, it's just one cause. And it's this is very important because every symptom can be related to so many other systems that it's important to approach things this way. It can be due to other um, endocrine glands or it can be to the psoas or it can be to stress. It can be related to so many things. Yeah. I can add, I can add an, another one, another emotion uh, disturbance origin caused by the sores. Okay, please do. Yeah, because the sores affects our posture and uh, affects our abdomen. Mm-hmm. And if it's tilted, it can then create a compensation by the upper back. And it can... Uh, Compromise or change the the position of the diaphragm, mm-hmm. and it 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 can make your breathing more shallow, and that the shallow breathing is a breathing of uh, panic, is a breathing of fear. Exactly. So it can affect your emotions by the way that it affects your breathing. It's very very important, and I was going to mention the diaphragm later, because you know I work a lot with the breathing because it directly influences the nervous system. And because I work with breathing, I have to work with the diaphragm. And many times I suggest that people do work on their psoas, mainly stretching, because it will help the diaphragm move better. It facilitates the, let's say, unblocking of the diaphragm, the release of the diaphragm. And then it will facilitate a more correct breathing pattern that will help people breathe in ways that can modulate their their mind state. And this mind state is associated with why people in yoga, and I believe also in Chinese medicine, especially the ancient ones called the soas, the muscle of the soul, because it can mirror our internal state. If you are afraid or if you are sad or if you live in a way that is not authentic and this exerts pressure on your body and it shortens the psoas, then 
as you said, it keeps a score and this score will manifest as a contracted body and the state of it, especially when seen through a trained eye, is mirrored by the state of the soul. You can look at someone and see that this person lives somehow detached from their authentic self. And there's the beauty in, in saying that the soul is the muscle of the soul. Yes. Yeah, the soul is it's very important. It's a, it's a muscle that connects the up and the down of the body. Yeah. Connects the... the Upper body. The, yes, to the... And for example, when we think about walking, we think about uh, the movement starting in the legs, but it starts in the soas. The soas creates the the um, the movement that will start the leg. Okay. So walking, it comes from the soas. So that's why when we are scared, if, if the soas is uh, is uh, tensed, if we are in panic or uh, afraid, the soas will freeze and we will stop. Like, oh wow! So. There's a connection between the psoas and the freeze response of the nervous yes. system. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. Amazing. So before we move on to all the things we want to talk about, like um, diaphragm and other things that are very interesting, and before we actually conceptualize where the psoas is, because I think it's important for those who don't know what is the psoas and where it is located in, in their bodies, let's finish this um, line of thoughts around the, um, the emotional release. Do you see particular emotional releases related to the psoas that are different from other types of releases, say the back or the jaw? Do you see any difference? I don't know if I understand the question. Okay. Let me give you my example. When we first met and you became my therapist, we worked initially on my psoas because I was complaining from lower back pain and you told me, okay, I can ease the tension in our lower back, but we also need to work on the psoas because it's the antagonist. And from that day on, I very often stretch my psoas, especially before sleeping and I do the myofascial roll and it's brought me a lot of life quality. It increased the quality of my life in terms of pain and mobility. And you also made myofascial release techniques to my psoas, which, you know, it was horrible. It hurt like hell. But still, I didn't cry or release any emotions compulsively, you know. But when you worked on my jaw, I cried like a baby without any explanation. So my question is, if the releases can be different due to the body part that is being treated or if it doesn't really make a difference, if the same response can come from jaw release, pelvic release, chest release, or, you know, if you notice any pattern, I'm, I'm very curious with this. Um, I don't know exactly why Sometimes people have an emotional release and other times they don't. And um, I don't know if it's if they do not trust me enough 
to release, for example. Okay. Or if they are not ready to release, or if it if it's building up, it's like um, okay, it's a, it's a I'm filling a, a glass. And I'm filling a glass when I'm working on your legs and on your sores. And then it's almost almost reaching the top of it. And I start working on your jaw. And then it's then the, the glass is uh, full. The combination of all the work in the body will lead to a final yes. release. Okay. Yeah. So it's not it's not just the work on um, on a certain area. It, The, the emotional releases usually happen when I look at the whole body as I as I explained in before. Mm -hmm. You need to look to all of the tensions and release all of those tensions. They the, the tensions they don't um, they are not isolated. They are they, they are all part of the, the same organism. There was a, a time when I was, um, wondering if this have anything to do with the um, with the Reich mm -hmm. and uh, if a certain character of of would be more um, have a certain more affinity to to have an emotional release if I would work on those muscles mm -hmm. or not I didn't didn't reach any conclusion In yeah. that, you know, I I think I mentioned this in one of our previous episodes. I've been distancing myself from the Reich character theory because it's very general, and mm, there is not a single body that corresponds to a Reich character 100%. And there are many life stories in traumas that lead to a certain body type. And the tension that is stored in one area is different from person to person. Even if they, they have similar body types, they can end up in that type coming from totally different places. You know, one can come from being shamed in their family. Another one can, can come from fearing um, their peers in school and both have a shortened psoas and like pelvic tension and you will think they are similar and they had different experiences from their different backgrounds and so I see many videos in social media these days saying that oh um, this part of the body is connecting to sadness and this part of the body is connected to anger and I know it's not like that, but still I'm curious enough to ask you these questions. If you see some patterns related to some body areas, some releases, and you, your insights are valuable. Many things play different roles, like the trust the client has in you, if they trust you enough in initial sessions to have an, an emotional release, if it's the combination of working different body parts, if, yeah, so many roles that as I say that I'm distancing myself from Reich characters, I'm also trying to distance myself from thinking that one body area will have an association to a precise emotion. And 
in the collective, we can see some patterns and even some I can observe in myself, like when someone works in my chest, I tend to feel more sadness. And when someone works in my jaw, I tend to feel more anger. But also when you worked in my jaw, I also cried and there was also sadness that came from holding on to anger that I could not express. And so this all gets mixed. Our personal story gets all entangled through our bodies, through our fascia and through our organs. It's all spread. We are like journals written with different words in you know, different directions and we are to be read differently. So I'm in this dichotomy right now of trying to understand if there are patterns or if it's just similarities between life stories. And, you know, it's, it's work in progress. Yeah. You know, that's, um, it, it, it kind of, um, goes towards what I was, um, saying in a different way. It's, uh, I was trying to fit in, uh, Reich's characters, but I was not finding yeah. any, so I, I didn't have any conclusion on that. So I dropped that exactly because there are some, some, some people that I would, um, do something and they would manifest a emotion that I was not expecting that they would and neither were they. But um, there's, I haven't found a pattern and I think that it's a very, it's, it's a, like reducting a lot when mm -hmm. people say that uh, this means this and this muscle means that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, It's um, it's it's like uh, I I I relate to that as uh, as um, people that are starting to the first years of, of psychology <laughs> and they look at you and they think that they know you because yeah. you are holding the pen in a certain way yeah. or uh, or that it's related with something and they they. They are so sure of themselves. Yeah. And I think I, that that is what I think that uh, when, 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 you, when you start to, to have more practice, you realize that uh, you need to deconstruct those preconcepts because they, are, they don't fit to everyone. So they are wrong. It's like the more I know, the more I understand what I don't know. Yeah. Or the more I Don, see... Donning Kruger. Yeah. Donning Kruger effect. Yeah. And I have to be honest, part of me was craving that you said, yes, in the soas, there is always a release <laughs> of shame and people cry in a certain way that comes from a place of shame. Yet another part of me was <laughs> like wanting to confirm that every person is unique and every person will experience both the tension and the release in a unique way. And our roles as therapists is to facilitate that release and then the adoption of exercises and postures and stretching habits, everything that will support the growth and the transformation of that person and not um, necessarily find patterns that can be transposed to other people. 
even though it could be helpful to one experience with a client will help us with the experience with another client. But most of the times we need to have an open mind to see that particular case as unique. What I started to think is that there's a certain signature to each person. It's like mm -hmm. when you when you look at um, electrocephalic uh, ECG or something, mm -hmm. you have those those electrodes on your on your head, and then you think about something, and it 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 like draws this very chaotic lines, and um, it's always the same for that person when that person thinks about a certain thing, very focused. Uh -huh. But if another person thinks about the same thing, the, the drawing is going to be completely different. It's going to be chaotic, but it's going to have a different signature. Okay. So what I was thinking after I, I saw some, uh, I, I did some study on uh, SAG because I was um, following this, this um, lecturer talking about something similar to that, is that maybe that's what happens with our muscles. Each person has a specific signature. Mm -hmm. Each, each uh, emotion, it will activate certain Uh, neurons and certain muscles in in each person, yeah, and it's going to be different. Each person has a different uh, emotional signature that uh, that uh, gets drawn in the body. I sometimes think it might be related to the first times the person experienced that emotion and what context the person was when they experienced that. If you experience shame when you are two years old is different from experiencing shame when you are 10. The mechanisms that you have to regulate yourself are different. So your body might activate different parts. You might want to hide yourself in different ways. You know, the older you get, the more prone you are to avoiding a situation. When you are a very, very small child, it's like, You cannot avoid things behaviorally so well, so you might internalize the things in your body. It, you, it might manifest as different body tensions. You cannot escape because you are so vulnerable. So you cannot just walk to a hidden part and, and sit in the back seat of the class. You know what I mean? You are a child, you are there with your parents most of the time. So if there is a pattern of shaming that you cannot escape, you will escape by either going up to your mind and disconnecting from the body or by freezing parts of the body or by tensing parts of the body. And then other personality traits will play with this to create unique patterns. And even what we experienced in the womb before we were born, it all plays a role. And so those EEGs that you were looking for with unique signatures, I believe it happens. Yeah, I agree. It happens with the body. It, our different upbringing and all the, the trauma it, that happened, it will 
condition ourselves in different ways. Very interesting and beautiful what you said. Before we move on, I still want to comment on the holding on to trauma in the muscle. You know, this is this can be very confusing and complex to... I saw the community doing two completely different movements. Initially, the medical community was completely refusing that the body can hold trauma and emotional patterns. And society, like the average person, was following this movement. Now everyone is so much more open to it and some people are blindly accepting this without fully diving into what it means. And it's not like your psoas is experiencing shame or is holding like shame inside the muscle fibers or, or the fascia f um, fibers, the, the collagen thing. It doesn't contain shame in there. It helps me to think of, you know, when a certain smell makes you think about a certain period of your life. Some people connect a smell to their childhood and they instantly get happy or they instantly get sad. And that experience is matched by a body posture, by the production of certain hormones. Everything changes due to our internal state and everything has memory and that memory has connections. And when those connections are activated, then the pattern is activated and is expressed. So it's not like a muscle is holding shame. It's the memory of that muscle. As you said, the fascia conserves a pattern that it knows the body was made for this because it was repeated so many times or because the memory was so um, emotionally charged. The fascia will hold on to that pattern and it will conserve the pattern and be further activated when something triggers those connections. And so it's far more complex because the brain has neurons, but the neurons run down the body and connect to the fascia terminals, which connects to the muscle and the organs. So saying that the psoas is holding on to shame is the same thing as the psoas in its complexity being connected to the rest of the fascia that spreads all over the body and the rest of the nervous system up to the brain. And in all its connection, when it's activated, it triggers tension in the psoas. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking about um, if a listener would, would think, so why do people hold into emotions? And, uh, and uh, I was um, thinking about there are some conflicted emotions that sometimes happen and that we do not know how to process. Mm -hmm. And then the body holds into it sometimes. Yeah. I think yeah. the the less we are the lesser we are able to understand and to process our emotion, the more we store it mm -hmm. in the body. It's like uh, I will deal with this later. Yeah. But then we never do. And it uh, grows because it becomes tenser and it's going to to start affecting the the nearby muscles and then the whole structure. Or if I express this, I will be rejected. 
or shamed. Yeah, or I think that abused. is a, a, a form of a conflicted emotion. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, I, I want to express, but I cannot express because of something. So there's, mm -hmm. a, a, conf, there's a, a conflict there of the, what I want and what I should, or I don't know if I can. Yeah. So this is a, a good example of uh, conflicted uh, emotions because it's it's not just one thing. Is one thing is I want to do this or say this, and then the other one is I cannot say this. I cannot do this. Yeah. So there's a conflict. Yeah, and the core belief might be I cannot do what I want, or I'm not worthy doing what I need, something like that. And both can be hidden from the conscious parts of ourselves. It can be so in deep, like buried in the subconscious or the unconscious mind. It depends on when it happened and how it happened. It might be pushed away and we are not even aware of it. Someone might come across as disconnected in a sense, and it might be a defense mechanism to not feel a certain thing or to not go after what you really want. They seem to be a bit lost in life, but truth is somewhere in their development, it was better for them to not go after what they wanted. And in the immediate uh, time, it was what helped them go through that moment because it allowed them to feel more loved or to feel more belonging in the group or family they were. And only later it will give them problems when they will start a family or when they start having a bigger responsibility in life or when they need to make a decision that shapes their future. And sometimes this is done consciously. Instead of repression, it's called suppression. And people will actively suppress something because they fear that they will get fired or their partners will break up with them. Or they will be arrested. <laughs> or they will be arrested, yeah. <laughs> or they will hurt someone if they say how they feel. You know, many, many things. Yep. Uh, people can hold on to emotions because of this. Or sometimes you build your whole identity around something. Like you actually know that you can be vulnerable, but you think if you are vulnerable, your whole personality will melt down. Like you, you, so many years, you built yourself as the strong one or the one who is always there for others or the one is, who is capable or invincible, who is never, never down or never sad. And so you are consciously doing this and you know you can actually refrain from doing it, but you don't you hold on to all the tension because you, you fear of losing who you are by being perceived, not just by others, but yourself as weak. If you become vulnerable, if you cry. Yeah. Okay. It could be wise to tell people what the SOAS is and where it is located. It's happening. No, because I was thinking that maybe we covered the most of it or all of it, we just didn't explain what the muscle is and where it, where it is. I still have some things I would like to say, but I'm afraid the episode gets too long. But yeah, let's start by, and this is your, your cue. My cue? Yeah. So the, the psoas muscle, 
connects the inside of our lumbar vertebra and the, the other end of the muscle is on the leg. The femur. Yes. So it connects the lumbar, but not on the back, the, the inside of it. On the side it, of the gut. On the side of the gut mm -hmm. and, and goes from the front side of the lumbar vertebras and connects to the femur. Mm -hmm. Allows the, the start of the walking and uh, allows a little of rotation of the leg as well. Mm -hmm. Tilts the hip and uh, it can also be responsible for um, arching the back a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so these are these are the the movements that it does. It it's mostly a stabilizer. It stabilizes the the back mm -hmm. and uh, helps with raising the leg. Okay, now my final thoughts go to some mind-blowing things that I was uncovering while I was studying a little further for this episode. So many people are talking about the connection between the pelvic area and the jaw. And the psoas is involved in this, but not in a direct way. In a way, everything is connected through the fascia. The fascia envelops every organ and every muscle. So in a way it's all connected. So it can be seen as jaw and pelvic floor are connected to the fascia, but it's through movement and balance that these areas can connect. And sometimes because you remove a tooth or because you are holding on to anger and your jaw is tensing more in one side than the other, that in your brain, your sense of balance is slightly changed. And so, as you were saying, the... Um, lateral compensations will lead to one part of the psoas compressing more than the other, tensing more than the other. And the pelvic tilt is not just oriented in a way that is front and back, but also from left to right and up to down. It's like it's tilted to the sides and one side is upper than the other. And this Or will- Or asymmetrically tilted to the front. Is exactly. Exactly. It's a whole range of motions. And because of the jaw, the pelvic ball will respond to it in a compensatory way. And so both holding to anger in your jaw can lead to impairments of the hips and as a consequence, the, the sexual organs or the gut or the adrenals bladder, kidneys, everything, or because of holding on to tension, emotional tension in the pelvic parts will lead to more tension in the jaw, in the neck, in the throat, because of all these subtle relationships between these areas. Yes. I think the sternocleidomastoideo muscle is also involved there. Yeah, you know so much more about it than me, but it's, it sounds reasonable because it connects 
all these muscles from the neck to the chest and I don't know where it ends. I think it uh, ends in the sternum. It might be also related to the movement of the diaphragm. I don't know if it's connected. I believe not, but you know, this it is, it me. is, yeah, it, it is, it is. It's directly so the, connected the, to the diaphragm? Not directly, but um, the sternocleidomastoideo connects to the, to the clavicle bone and to the sternum. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the upper part of the sternum. But then on the lower part of the sternum, you have the diaphragm. Okay, okay, okay. So if, if you, if it, it's like, um, uh, I'm thinking about the metaphor, but uh, if you pull one side of a structure, it's going to, to, pu to pull the whole structure and it's exactly. going to put the other extreme. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then also the, the diaphragm, diaphragm it, it can, it can uh, change the way that uh, your uh, hip is uh, tilted. So it will affect the psoas as well. Mm -hmm. So these three are connected. Okay, okay. I don't know much about the sternocleidomastoideum, but I know that during labor, some women use vocalizations to relax the jaw because it will have an effect in the pelvic floor, relaxing the pelvic floor, facilitating labor. And this is mind blowing. You can use touch, but you can also use vocalization and vibration in order to indirectly is the other end of your body. Yeah. With the vocalization, not only the jaw gets relaxed, but diaphragm as well. Yeah. 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 True. So, so it, it, it's, uh, they are, they are uh, connected. This, this three areas, yeah. they are, they are connected and they work on each other and they compensate themselves. Yes. I see in videos of emotional release that facilitators sometimes touch the, the chest, I believe the sternum. So I don't know if they are in a way relaxing the sternocleidomastoideo and because of doing that, they also relax the jaw and the diaphragm, which in turn will re release other parts of the body, including the pelvic bowl, the, the psoas and other lower muscle groups. You probably know this better than me, but I see these facilitators doing this kind of touch, this gentle touch in the sternum. It might or not be related, but it facilitates relaxation and emotional expression. Well, that can happen, but um, with the experience I have with the Chinese medicine and the, the people I know that um, some of them taught me, they do not teach me, they do not explain it being because of that. They explain being because we have an um, acupuncture point in the Ren Mai on the chest that is related with the emotions. Okay. And um, touching that uh, point, it's soothing. Okay. But it can act on the fascia as well and, and it can act on this uh, structure that we have been talking about. Okay. Maybe unknowingly they are doing it, but their intention of the people I know that do this 
is because of touching the acupuncture point. Okay. Again, multiple pathways for one thing working yeah. and influencing the others. Beautiful. Thanks for adding that. Yeah, well, I think I could be talking with you about this the whole day, but I covered what I wanted to cover. So yeah, I'm ready to call okay. this an episode and yeah, say goodbye to our listeners. Okay. Listeners, goodbye. <laughs> See you next time. See you soon. Stay plugged. <laughs>